Hello and welcome to the Simply podcast. I'm Aisha Rajavelu, Content and Community Manager at Simply, and today we're speaking to Shalini Gupta, Senior Internal Comms Manager, UK EMEA at Arab. Shalini will be running a roundtable at our flagship event, Simply EXP, later this week on trust and belonging in a digital age. Let's get started then. Hi, Shalini, and welcome to the Simply podcast. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about yourself, please? Hi, Ash. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really glad to be here. So uh, my name is uh, Shalini, Shalini Gupta. I work in Arup as a senior internal communications manager looking after the UK AMIA region. Uh, I look after leadership communications and change programs for the region. And you've been working in internal communications for about 20 years. So a good place to start would be to ask uh, whether you believe internal communicators get more say and responsibility now than when you started in the profession. Gosh, when you say 20 years, it makes, you know, it makes me look around ancient, really. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess evolution has been significant. Internal comms evolution has been significant over the last two decades, isn't it? Uh, You know, with sort of digital communication tools, with social media, the influx of all kinds of media, in fact. Internal comms now have a much, much broader reach. We leverage technology, you know, in a much better way to engage employees in real time, are able to collaborate, ensuring consistency of messages right across. And I think our proficiency as communicators um, in digital platforms and understanding our audience has really supercharged our influence as communicators. And I think, you know, more recently coming to today's time, uh, the pandemic has also really pushed our skills into the spotlight. Mm. And I think if you look at sort of internal comms, it, it has really become a distinct discipline. Um, you know, if you look at the IOIC, the Institute of Internal Comms profession, um, you know, map or the framework, the skills required are, you know, ranging from influencing, advising to understanding people and cultures to strategy planning, business acumen, research measurement to channels management and just so on. So, you know, only kind of, you know, strong writing skills are no longer you know, they no longer define internal comms professionals as they, they would at uh, you know, many, many years back. And I think the best kind of IC practitioners today have the ability to, to influence, convince, coach about 10 different stakeholders along the way and engage with employees and, uh, you know, work with leaders in a highly, highly increasingly volatile and unpredictable external environment, you know, playing a really key role, I think, today, advising um, on strategic uh, business decisions. Absolutely. And how about reporting lines? Because we're seeing fewer IC people feed into HR. So have you noticed any trends in your working experience of this? That's a really interesting one because it's a dilemma um, as old as the industry itself, Ash. uh, And it's still debated, by the way. And I think it really comes down to purpose, strategy, uh, direction. And I think also to to a large extent, organisation size also. I've been um, in organizations uh, of various sizes and, you know, I've kind of, you know, have have had line uh, reporting into, you know, the CEO, um, HR, marketing and, you know, wider corporate comms functions itself. Interestingly, if you look at the Gallagher 2023 state of the sector report, um, nearly half of internal comms practitioners who contributed to the report said that they were part of corporate communication or corporate affairs department. This is 1,000 of the 2,000 plus IC folks, you know, who who contributed. So that's interesting. Secondly, the second most common reporting line was to the HR department, which was 21% of, you know, internal communicators in that report. 
Um, so, 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 you know, that's interesting, as, as you can see, uh, you know, kind of organization size and, you know, where people are reporting, as well as um, I think to add to that, there was a lot of debate uh, following that report on various channels and you know, certainly on LinkedIn, where 74% people in that report, uh, internal communicators said that the main purpose of internal comms is, is now, uh, you know, according to them, support culture and belonging, knocking off strategic alignment off the top spot for the first time in many years. So I think in a sense, you know, it really shows the growing partnership between HR and internal comms, and it's not about reporting lines to HR anymore. Ultimately, um, you know, reporting lines depend on what's needed to provide the best employee experience within your organization. And I think it all comes down to building really strong internal relationships, collaborating with stakeholders right across the business, whether it's HR, it's marketing, it's external comms, um, and most importantly, keeping an employee first approach to supercharge that employee experience. Um, and I must also add uh, to that, Ash, that the emergence of the recent CCO role, Chief Communication Officer role, I think you know it proves that um, it's an important seat at the C-suite table, uh, ensuring that kind of we are a strategic function, and you know we are a function that you know contribute to the bottom line of the business. So you started your career in insurance in the UAE at Aviva, and then RSA as a communications manager. Was this a mixture of like internal and external comms? Yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, it was very, very early on in my career. Um, I was a one person corporate affairs function. <laughs> um, I did a little bit of everything. Um, and the first thing I remember that I did um, when I joined was I set up a comms champion network across the six Middle East countries that I looked after. It was UAE, Qatar, um, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Egypt and Oman, uh, you know, quite, you know, varied there as well. And, and I did that mainly to, you know, for the champions to be my eyes and ears in the business, you know, work with the line managers on the ground, the local audience, the content, and most importantly, the consistency of the messaging cascade. So, yeah, I mean, I worked on internal comms. I did that. I did, you know, did worked on leadership messages, uh, PR and media supported by an agency. I worked on product launches. Um, uh, the most memorable being one, one being in Muscat in an Oman with an agency, advertising for local press, worked with the marketing leads on um, sales collateral. Uh, yeah, and I worked pretty closely with the six, um, you know, country uh, heads of the country on sort of, you know, various kind of, you know, other strategic messaging, etc. So it was quite varied, um, but it gave me a great experience. I think it was almost like a portfolio sort of a role um, right across. Great. And uh, it was at the RSA that you moved from Dubai to London as well, wasn't it? So what drove you to make that change in your life? Yes, that's right. Um, it was actually international secondment uh, from RSA Dubai to RSA's HQ uh, in London in the UK. And um, it was a talent move. It was, uh, you know, I was selected out of a global pool. Um, and I think, you know, working in a cultural sort of melting pot like Dubai, and international settings with kind of diverse teams has really helped broaden my perspective and really helped sort of develop, uh, you know, kind of a global mindset exposure to so many different cultures, their engagement styles. And I think that really helped open doors to this international, um, you know, career opportunity within the first kind of, you know, couple of years, just two, three years of my internal comms career. And yeah, I definitely must have done something right in my role in the Middle East to have got this brilliant opportunity. Oh, amazing. And uh, since then, you've worked at numerous companies within varying IC remits. So what 
what role would you say was most pivotal in your career development? That's the tough one to pick a role, because uh, I think, you know, sort of each role, whether, um, you know, I've moved between Delhi, Dubai, London, whether it's been geographical move for me or whether it's been kind of, you know, cross sector move between insurance, banking, telecoms to now professional services. I think, you know, each role has really been pivotal, um, has really kind of, you know, helped in my ability to to adapt, helping me learn, continuously exposed to different corporate styles, work styles, uh, different cultures, uh, embracing new challenges and being open to sort of learning from just such varied experiences. And it's just given me valuable skills and perspectives, I think, all around. I think most importantly, the adaptability has helped my professional growth navigate through diverse roles and industries very effectively, whether it was telecoms or, you know, like I said, you know, banking, insurance and media, etc. Um, and, and to be honest, it's really helped me thrive uh, and constantly, constantly having to reinvent myself uh, in an ever changing environment. At BT, one of the positions that you held was leading the employee experience. That's quite quite a huge task. So what impact do you feel you had working there and Im- improving the employee experience? So I think, you know, um, internal comms is uh, is really the backbone of employee experience. I really do. Uh, you know, I think, you know, internal comms, we, we nurture transparency, authenticity and inclusive cultures where people understand their roles and delivering the company's purpose and believe, most importantly, that they have a role, uh, they have a part to play and, and you know, make a difference. And the leaders feel empowered to lead and inspire rather than, uh, you know, manage. Um, at BT, um, it was, I mean, the employee experience role was quite a multifaceted role. Um, I was partnering with the HR team uh, on working uh, on an engaging people plan, making sure uh, that the you know, organization sort of, you know, people plan was brought to life effectively because, you know, the engagement is so critical for aligning employees line of sight to, to the company's sort of, you know, goals and values. Um, I, I was also working on quite comprehensive employee experience campaigns, uh, you know, managing various as- aspects of EDI, L&D cultural well-being, EVP, early career uh, programs, you know, kind of a sort of a very holistic approach. Uh, Supporting for people managers, you know, just making sure that uh, well-informed people managers can, you know, are are equipped to effectively guiding their teams and, uh, you know, inspiring uh, their teams with a positive, positive work environment. Uh, as well as, you know, strategic sort of, you know, leadership events, leading the comms and engagement efforts for, you know, the annual kind of strategy events with significant budgets, because, uh, you know, such roles play such an important, such such events rather play um, an important role in communicating the organizational strategy and really inspiring the people. I was also involved in, um, in, in, in sort of, you know, helping drive the culture shift in the organization at that point of time, particularly in areas like, you know, EDI, um, and and well-being with the first ever uh, sort of you know robust I guess you know comms uh, comms strategy for EDI, um, and I think you know addressing some of these areas really contributed significantly to the overall um, employee experience. And I think this role really made a significant impact on employee experience comms by you know taking that strategic, inclusive, and data-driven approach, uh, contributing to such a positive and engaging workplace environment for the colleagues. Uh, and I think, you know, it was recognized, you know, I'm really lucky it was recognized at the end of my first year in the organization by the corporate uh, affairs director um, with an award to myself for making a visible difference uh, you know, on the people experience. 
So, you know, it's 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 really a great experience to to you know have had that opportunity to work on such a multifaceted role. Um, so now you are at Arup, which is a company committed to sustainable development, um, and you've been there since September 2022. Was it important to you to work for such a mission-led organisation? Well, um, I mean, many companies will tell you about values and purpose, but I think as being employee-owned, which we are at Arup, they drive the firm right through the actions every day, and that's kind of you know the the reasons why, uh, you know, I'm I'm here I'm here today. Um, we've recently won the Glassdoor top 10 companies to work for in the UK, and it's been a consistent award uh, as well. And it's based on, and the award is, is judged by people who work here and who score the organization on culture and values. And I think, you know, Arup walks their talk. It's it's the values that definitely sets it apart, like the firm's name. The values are um, the belief and conviction of their founder. Uh, Sir Ove Arup, and I think the principles that he set out in 1917, a world famous speech to his partners, set out the aims and values of the firm, and they remain unchanged even today in terms of you know how the members deal with clients or work with colleagues. Um, how many organizations, I mean, if you think of it, can boast of a strong foundation after so many years that is still followed uh, you know, by members even today across, you know, the six generations that we have within the organisation. It's absolutely incredible that the values have come into 2023 since, since when was the year that you mentioned, sorry? 1970. 1970, wow, obviously shows the strength of the values, right? Absolutely, and every new joiner at Arup, uh, the 1970 speech of Sir of Arup that sort of, you know, outlines our values it's, it's a must read. It's a must read for every new joiner. Yeah. As, as is noticeable in a lot of the roles that you've worked in, you're responsible for delivering leadership communication. So what tips or tricks do you have to elevate your leaders? Yeah, that's right. I've been uh, really lucky for uh, working quite closely with uh, C-suite leaders in the last couple of roles. I think most importantly, uh, it's building a trusted relationship with your leaders because it gives you a strong base from which to coach, develop and inspire leaders, you know, to be able to communicate effectively and authentically. And I think my kind of top three sort of tips and trips would be, the first one would be being the eyes and ears of your people for for them, for your your leaders. And don't be afraid to give, you know, feedback to help them improve their or increase their impact and confidence. Because, you know, we bring those insights from our audience knowledge. We understand the audience needs. So that would be one. Second would be, um, I think, you know, authenticity and transparency. Uh, So, you know, when we do sort of uh, do our leaders messaging, just making sure that, you know, we do sort of provide them with the structure to to be able to personalize the messages to, you know, to bring out the authenticity uh, with relatable stories, which they can communicate themselves because, uh, you know, that's quite important. And I think, you know, people can figure out if a message has been ghostwritten versus, you know, an authentic message. Um, and I think, you know, thirdly would be um, being empathetic and showing vulnerabilities, just, you know, working with your leaders to coach them to be comfortable with imperfection, because that's what sort of, you know, makes them human. And it's being open about mistakes and learning from failures. And I think, you know, it gives people that psychological safety of being able to uh, fail quick and learn fast. And if you think about it in the large scheme of things, you know, your leaders are the narrators of your brand story and of your employee value proposition. 100%. And uh, finally, you're on a panel at Simply EXP around trust and belonging in a digital age. 
Do you feel that losing the in-office connection has impacted trust and belonging or greater autonomy has kind of improved it? Oh, you'll have to come to the panel to listen <laughs> to listen to me uh, on that. But I think, you know, comms um, largely, if you look today, the digital age that we're talking about is via instant messaging, uh, you know, social media, email, video conference. So there has been obviously, you know, a shift from face to face to digital and it has brought about significant shift for trust and belonging. But I truly believe that, you know, if we are more intentional in the digital world and we focus on that, not focus on being effective face to face, you know, that'll go a long way. So in a sense, you know, what does that mean? And I think what it means is as communicators really working with our leaders to advise and guide them on what I call, you know, the trust equation is, you know, working on the credibility, uh, reliability and intimacy of the messages and making sure that, you know, the messages are consistent, you know, they're accurate. Our leaders are having genuine interactions uh, with people. Uh, you know, we are representing a variety of voices and experience. Language is inclusive. Uh, there's representation in the digital content. And it's a culture where everyone feels valued, regardless of all backgrounds. And it's quite key to, um, you know, to watch out for the trust pitfalls in internal communications in, an, in a digital world, I think, you know. So if you have no feedback opportunity, you have limited representation, you're not using inclusive language, inaccurate messaging, you have inconsistent messaging, uh, you're making assumptions, um, you're not coaching your line managers in comm skills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think you know, if we watch out for all of these, um, and then none of these require you know, for us to be in the same room. So, you know, like I said, it is about being more, uh, it's not about being more effective face to face, it's about being more intentional, you know, how we communicate in, uh, in a digital world. That was um that was all of my questions. So thank you ever so much for your time today, Charlene. Thanks, Ash. I really enjoyed our chat.